0: just fancy baseball what's going on everybody Hope everybody's having a good week. The Red Sox won today, so I'm back on the saddle after the Pirates came in and swept us. We're um, ready to talk about some fantasy baseball, Clay. I'm your host, Cole Bielsen, as always, joined, as always, by Clay Snowden, my man in the Phillies hat today. What's with the Phillies hat?
1: Um, I try to wear a different hat most shows, and I probably have 20, 25 different teams. So today, the Phillies, I mean, I was wearing a Navy shirt, red hat, seemed seemed to go with that. So that's all that there is to it.
0: All right, I'll, I'll take that. I like switching up. I mean, I got a MLB Jam, Manny Machado, Fernando t shirt on. Um, Such a good Tatis shirt. is tearing it up in AAA. And Joe Musgrove is teaming up with him in El Paso.
1: Yeah, it's going to be must. If you're in that area and you don't go to that, what's wrong with you? like mean, what, what, 7 what, bucks to go to a game probably. While 10? we're on the topic of Joe Musgrove,
0: was it just me or why was he getting docked so much in drafts? Like I I was picking him up everywhere because one I knew it's a toe injury. I mean, whatever, it's on his arm, he's fine. He's coming back. He, he looks healthy. He's making his rehab start in Triple-A tonight. Um, why was he getting dropped so far?
1: I don't know. I was wondering the same thing and I I had shares of him last year and I mean he's pretty consistent like there it's not like he's one of those pitchers who one game he's just going to be awful every month and next thing you know it's man I just can't stand the roller coaster. It's not like Blake Snell, I don't know what the deal was with that, but you know you you mentioned injuries and I don't think that that that's one to be worried about.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. I was picking him up everywhere. I'm like, I guess if you're just gonna drop him in my lap, I guess I'll take him. But uh, other pitching, so so kind of the the way we're gonna go about the show today, everybody is, uh, we're gonna you know just go down some some in some quick injury updates. Um, definitely want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez's start from the other day because that was very intriguing. Um, and then we're gonna talk about some streamers for this weekend. If you're just like in a spot where, Oh, I need a quality start. I need a win. I need some strikeouts for this weekend. Um, There's actually some really, really solid streaming options for this weekend. So we're going to run through that. Um, And then to finish off the show, we're going to talk about um, some bullpens and and who's getting saves and, and who to really jump on for, for some last second save opportunities this early in the season, because there's a lot of teams that are going closer by committee. So we have some things to talk about there, but Back up to the injury news. Robbie Ray is injured, and this is one that I'm very concerned about. Um, Robbie Ray is a a guy that I don't think either of us are are very interested in or were very interested in going into the year, and now he's landed on the aisle with a grade one flexor strain um, on his elbow. So that is a big, fat yikes, Clay. I mean, that's just something you do not want to see happen to any pitcher because, one, he's going to be out for at least four to six weeks, um, and then he's going to have to ramp back up and do all of that. But, you know, if your forearm is beaten down, you can rest for a month, but more likely than not, when he comes back, he's going to deal with this all year long. And it's very concerning.
1: Yeah, it's a big loss for that rotation. And if you think about it, you know, when you go into Seattle and you think Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo is the one, too, that looks a lot different with Gilbert. Now, I love Gilbert, don't get me wrong. And Kirby's a good pitcher, too. But now you're filling innings with Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flex and two players I have no interest in in fantasy, maybe as a streaming option on certain matchups. But overall, I'm not thinking, you know, I just put Robbie Ray on my IL. I need to go pick up his replacement. That's not the angle that I would take. All
0: right. We have to talk about the most injured player of all time, Eloy Jimenez. The man is made of glass. And he finds himself once again on the IL. Um, but it doesn't seem that serious, Clay. It looks like he's just uh, a little bit of a uh, tweaked hamstring. And he didn't even think himself that he was going to land on the IL. He said he was ready to pinch hit pretty much the next day. So they decided to to be pretty cautious with him. He's already playing catch, doing some running. So um, I would expect him back pretty much uh, after the minimum 10 days are up. But Eloy Jimenez... Not something you like to see for a guy that's been hurt for his
1: entire career. Yeah, and you know, with Eloy, it's it's one of those deals. When you draft him, you just have to wonder, is when is he going to get hurt? Now, they were playing him in the outfield some last year. This year, DH, where he should be going forward. And, you know, he was playing pretty well. I mean, in terms of fantasy, he wasn't killing it or anything, but he He's wasn't so like... Yeah, it's just so early, and we don't want to take too, too much away from any of these stats to begin with. But the White Sox, it's just such an important year for them. And without Eloy Jimenez, that lineup just looks so, so different. Can can I say something crazy? Like, I would
0: be floating bad offers out to Eloy owners. Like, I would be floating some like fleece job offers out to Eloy owners and just see like, is anybody really scared about him? Because if they are and they want to give him to me, I'm I'll take it. The reason being is that him not being in the outfield, I think gives him the opportunity to stay more healthy. And obviously this guy is an huge injury risk, right? But if an owner is going to give him away for a lot less than they drafted him for,
1: I'd be willing to, to roll the dice there. And, and on the, opposite end of that if you own shares of Eloy hold on to him do not do what Colby just said right like yeah. hold on to him um and I I'm a victim as the, of this as well everyone is you draft you either love your team or right after the draft you say oh my gosh I I I don't know what just happened and you draw players too early now I do this too we all do we get frustrated right off the bat we change our mind we want the new hot rookie that just came up whatever it may be Eloy is somebody who needs to be on your team for a while before you consider moving him. Unless the offer is reasonable and you think, man, I just don't trust the injury risk. I drafted him knowing there'd be risk. It's already bit me. Like if you can get fair value right away and you need to improve your team elsewhere, I consider it, but I wouldn't be selling to sell.
0: And that's not to say that the sunk cost fallacy doesn't exist, right? I mean, there is, there are, there are, times where it is a good idea to sell guys that you may be drafted a little bit too high i don't think this is one of those and another player clay that i've been seeing getting dropped in pretty much all of my leagues which is crazy at least the leagues that i don't own him in is lars newbar have you noticed this as well i'm in some pretty deep leagues like i'm in a 14 team league i'm in a 12 team league where lars newbar was dropped And again, this is a guy that just went on the aisle with a jammed thumb. He's going to spend the minimum time. He's not even going to have to do a rehab assignment um, when he comes back. And this is a guy that was already hitting well to begin this season, a 142 WRC plus striking out. And this is just in one game, right? I don't even know what I'm saying, right? But he did work last year and a guy we were high on coming into this year. Um, I wouldn't drop him.
1: I wouldn't drop him either. I know that a lot of people are maybe – dropping him in order to pick up somebody else who got off to a really hot start and said you know the outfield in st louis may be shaky in terms of playing time but i'm not dropping him i i just don't see a reason to drop him Uh, yeah i mean i'm holding on to him yeah i just thought it was it was
0: interesting it's always crazy in the first week of the season seeing who people drop and get like really antsy about i'm in a 14 team league like There are not a lot of people on waivers that are really worth picking up. Somebody dropped Brandon
1: Lau. I got Brandon Lau for free. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. What in the world? Yeah, I don't get that. I will admit I did uh, drop Sean Murphy already. Um, I drafted him higher than I should have. And I went against everything I said about draft strategy. And I hit the panic button. And he's just not getting consistent playing time early and I'm in a points lead for that particular one and um, I'm playing somebody in the division. Like I can't afford to lose game one like that. I didn't want to. And I was like, man, I, I can play the catcher roulette game with the 10 man league and find other catchers right now. But yeah, I did drop Sean Murphy and I, I will probably regret that, but I'm really concerned. Like why isn't he not playing more? No, when but, he like, actually, why isn't he? Yeah. It's, it makes no sense. Travis Darno hit well. Okay. So if Travis Darno plays well all year, is Sean Murphy a backup now? Like I saw the trend and I said, "Oh no. Atlanta is not going to give Sean Murphy 130 games even." Like I I really don't see that. So to me, why would I bother having a catcher? I had a chance to pick up Logan O'Happy and I said, "Okay, I'm going to pick up the young guy who's going to get I think from or er, er, you know, just from what we've seen early on more at-bats over the span of the year. Wasn't one that I would typically say, "Oh, drop Sean Murphy," but the situation was there, and I just had to take it.
0: Yeah, Logan Ohapi has two bombs already this year. Um He's looking good. He looks good too in of the, the plate. So, um, yeah, Clay. the The next guy we need to to talk about is Grayson Rodriguez, who made his debut against the one and only Jacob Degrom. I mean, it was like seeing Jacob Degrom yeah, versus Minnie Degrom, who is Grayson Rodriguez, the number one pitching prospect in baseball um and this was a tough spot for Grayson Rodriguez like imagine you get the call one this is a guy that didn't make the team out of spring training and a guy that I think was expecting to make the team out of spring training and Mike Elias the GM we talked about this what a week ago now like kind of flamed him publicly was like "Yeah, yeah he didn't earn it he didn't do enough to do this he didn't earn it so um who was it that got hurt um I'm I have Ryan Brazier in my brain right now, but it's not Ryan Brazier, obviously. Who who
1: Bradish? Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish, yeah. It was a BR. I was blank too. Uh, I wasn't even gonna help you out there. I was just gonna let you <laughs> fumble it.
0: Appreciate that. Uh no, so Kyle Bradish got a, a comebacker. Um, and so he couldn't uh so then who had to step in for him? Um, Tyler Kyle Wells Wells had to step in for Bradish. So then Ray Rod has to make a start, right? He has to get be called up, face Jacob deGrom on the road in his debut start that he wasn't even expecting to have happen. And the first inning was rough, was really, really rough. Like did, um, Grayrod didn't really have the feel for any of his pitches. Fastball was missing. The slider was missing way, way out of the zone. Uh, walked the first two batters. But he settled in nicely, finished uh, only giving up two runs, the two runs that he gave up in the first inning. And beyond the the final line, I want to talk about the individual pitches. I mean, the fastball, Clay, had a 36% whiff rate, and the slider had a whopping 50% whiff rate. So both of those, I mean, it's only one start, obviously, right? But still facing a really good Texas Rangers lineup, and you're putting up those types of numbers – I would say that he's earned a spot in this rotation now, right?
1: Yeah, and that's the question. So part of the reason why he was called up was, at, at as you highlighted, there were injuries, and Tyler Wells, who was going to be a starter, was in the bullpen, had to pretty much come in and save the day. So they needed to call somebody up from AAA. They had to. So they went with him. Now, the question that you're asking, the question I'm asking too, is like, what do you do? I would keep him in the rotation. But the GM said no less than two weeks ago that he wasn't ready. So does a Triple A start and MLB start mean that he's ready all of a sudden in their eyes? I don't know. I think that would be absurd to think two starts, you know, less than fifteen innings. Oh yeah, man, he's ready now. Like, I I would keep him up, and I hope that they do. But if okay, so if you own Grayson Rodriguez shares, what do you do?
0: Oh, I mean you hold you hold for sure I mean what what's his ownership looking right looking like right now in Yahoo so he's seventy percent owned in Yahoo League so a l- lot of owners have him I mean I would hold why not like if I'm the Orioles, beyond that if I'm the Orioles, why would I not keep him in the rotation and see what he's got
1: in him for another nobody, start right They're supposedly competing why would nobody nobody in that rotation nobody has a ceiling as high as his. Nobody in that rotation has ever had a ceiling as high as his. Even really. close. I mean,
0: it's like disrespectful to even say anybody in that rotation even has a ceiling. At close. Of a
1: two. I mean, Kyle Gibson is like your are No, they're all again, guys. They're
0: all like fringe
1: starters. Kyle Bradish, the guy that got hurt, is the only one I'm like really excited about. I'm not excited about any of them. And guess what, Colby? <laughs> John Means, another mediocre player is going to join this rotation at some point in time. The barn of number fives. The barn of... That's a good one. I like
0: that. The barn no, the of barn of fives. backends.
1: The barn that, of backends. I don't know oh, if that sounds good. a little too inappropriate. Either way, moving on.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's talk about... Um, we're going to call this segment Win the Weekend. Yeah, you know, so, if you're caught in a, a rut and you need like one or two quality starts, you need some strikeouts, you need a win desperately, and you're looking for a streaming option or a few for the weekend, we got you covered. Uh, Clay,
1: I'm going to start off because I have a name that really sticks out. Or, or you got something. Well, let let me add a little bit to the context of when the weekend cut, because this is our first episode of doing this. What we really want to do is help prepare you in even like the most niche ways so if you're in a points league, or if if you're in any type of other league where you may be looking for the smallest edge, like here is a relief pitcher that's not going to get a save, but we think will pitch, and last time you know he has a K per nine of eleven, like that could make a difference. So that's how niche it's going to be. We're going to talk about batter matchups, pitcher matchups. Now this being week one, we don't have all the data to back up everything, so we're going to go off of just you don't our knowledge. I, I didn't of these say that. Who well, says Col- I don't have the data? Colby has the data. He can also see the future. <laughs> not if you look at my bets.
0: I am, well, uh, your streamer
1: bad. options last week, you were one for two. That's not bad. If
0: you do want to keep me honest, I i, uh, I really, really missed on Cutter Crawford.
1: But That's I fine. really, really
0: hit on Anthony Desclafani, who went six shutouts. So, like I said, it is high risk, high reward. But um, yeah. I think I have a really good one for this weekend. Aaron Savali is owned in just 34% of Yahoo leagues right now. Um, And if you look at uh, the numbers coming into this season, Aaron Savali does not, you know, look that great on the surface. He had a 4.92 ERA last year, a 3.84 ERA in the season before that. Um, The expected metrics weren't very good either, but, He finished last year very strong, Clay. And eight games started after the All-Star break last year, after he came back from an injury. He had a 3.35 ERA and a 3.41 FIP. He had uh, nearly 10 strikeouts per nine and 1.5 walks per nine. I mean, really, really good stuff. Then he starts this season off facing the Mariners. He goes seven innings shutout, only three strikeouts, but seven innings shutout. I mean, that's legit. Like a lot of weak contact. He gets the Mariners again. And that's the only thing where it's like, okay, well, he gets the same team again. But still, I really like it. Like, this is a guy that can go seven deep. And if you need a quality start, this is your man because quality starts are really, really hard to come by yeah. this early in the season where most pitchers are going five innings. Like they're going 85 pitches. I think Savali can get there. Um, so I really like this as a as an option this weekend against the Mariners.
1: I love that pick. I do. And he's a pitcher that I think we kind of rode off at times last year and people kind of moved on to McKenzie. And um, he just I, wasn't on the field enough. He only threw 27 or 97 innings. Yeah. So a, a player who's extremely talented and he's available in how, what, what percent did you say?
0: Uh, he's owned in 34% of leagues. So I would imagine he's available in
1: most leagues. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good pick. The one that I have, hopefully, it's not too late when when you're listening to this. Um, it's it's a Friday pickup, and that's Zach Eflin with Tampa Bay. I'm um, going up against Oakland, and he had you know five innings, five Ks last time out. Um, but Zach Eflin just feels like one of those Tampa Bay. They fixed them. They changed something, and what you saw in his first outing was a big bump in the cutter, ten percent up from last year's average. Um, still need more time to see how that da- data regulates. And um, the slider had a little bit more movement on it as well. Again, need more time to see how that looks over time. But I'm doing the strategy that's kind of sucks, but it's just, okay, Zach looks better already in one start. We're seeing improvements. He has that Tampa Bay Rays mojo, whatever they do to their pitchers, but he's going up against Oakland. And as somebody who's watched every single Oakland A's baseball game this season, I can tell you there's not a ton of scary guys in that lineup. And I think that he could easily get through. Um, you know, even if he just goes five innings, five or six innings, gives up a couple of hits. I would not be shocked if he gave up two or two or less runs. Like it it could be a good outing. Now, I'm not sure what percent he is in Yahoo. He's hovering around 20%. In ESPN. However, he's been picked up, he's added 10% in the past few days. So people are catching on quickly. Again, if you're listening, you might as well scoop him if he's still available.
0: I like it. The only thing to add there is that I wouldn't expect him to go six. The Rays are really not conserv conservative isn't the word, but like they they like to get their bullpen. Cautious. In. They're very cautious when it comes to letting their starters go deep outside of McClanahan. So I would expect him to go five. I think the splits are great against an Oakland squad. I like it if you really need like strikeouts and a good ERA and whip. Um, I have another home run for people in deeper leagues. Oh, yeah. Bailey Falter is the name I'm going to give the people here. And this is a perfect spot for Bailey Falter. He goes against the Reds on the road. And the Reds on the road, I mean, this is people talk about the Coors effect. The same thing happens to the Cincinnati Reds because they play in the most hitter-friendly ballpark of all time over there. When they're on the road, they're terrible. Last year, a 79 WRC plus on the road. That was second worst in all of baseball. Is Bailey Falter the best pitcher in baseball? Is No. Is he a top 50 pitcher in baseball? No. Is he even a top 100 pitcher in baseball? I don't know, but I do know this. He is at least a serviceable pitcher with the Reds on the road facing him. And I think he can go six innings, get you a quality start, get you enough here.
1: You just answered the question that every people, every single person should ask themselves when looking at streamers. Is he serviceable enough to produce well against this one specific team? It's not, am I marrying this guy and adding him on my team for the rest of the year? It's, do I like this matchup? Yeah, pick him up. I love that one. Do you have another one? I, I I have two left. Uh, yeah, I got one more in the bank okay. here. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead, Mike Clevenger. I don't know if I like Mike Clevenger overall as a player, but he's pitching at Pittsburgh on the eighth. That's Saturday. Yeah, he had eight Ks and in five innings last time out, and he threw mostly just his fastball and slider, which I love that, and. If you can get this Pittsburgh lineup, which O'Neill Cruz, by the way, a little bit banged up. I don't know if you saw the play um, collided with. I can't remember who at third base, and maybe maybe he misses a day or two. Who knows? I, I I don't know. You will know by the time you listen to this podcast. But Mike Clevenger at Pittsburgh, Colby, what do you think of that?
0: Um, yeah, I can't hate it. I mean, he did strike out eight, which is shocking because. And I don't
1: think he's there, a great pitcher. I, don't I really I don't, don't know. I don't know if but I'm, I'm going to totally go in. Pittsburgh's lineup is good. I don't hate it.
0: I don't hate it's, it. And I think uh, this is This is the one specific one where it's like, if you need strikeouts,
1: send it. All right, you give your last one and then I'll give mine. My last one is actually a guy that we were just talking poorly about, and that's Kyle Gibson. Again, this one's on the 10th. Now, why would I give this right now is because sometimes, depending on how competitive your league is, you may have to pick up a streamer two or three days in advance so he doesn't get snapped. So I'm going to give you a guy who's on the 10th here. And um, Kyle Gibson's going up against Oakland. And again, talking about Oakland here, but what, what do we know about Oakland is their most impactful bats are Seth Brown, and Ramon Laureano, in terms of power, in terms of things that could really make your fantasy start go sideways. Both crush fastballs. Off-speed, not as much. Kyle Gibson, more of an off-speed, change-up type pitcher. I personally like that matchup again. We've already covered what we don't like about Oakland's lineup. I don't think Kyle, Kyle Gibson would do anything special, but I think that he could at least give you a serviceable start and help pad your stats.
0: I'll take it. I will take Kyle Gibson, it. I'll Gibson, baby. I really don't like it, but I'll take it. Just I don't know who, Dude, like, you know what? I have a gross one too. I'll finish okay. off with a gross one for you. This is for the most desperate of desperate, but maybe not. I mean, <laughs> he's being picked up some places. Tyler McGill, New York Mets pitcher. Clay's squinting. I don't even know if he knows who Tyler McGill is. Oh, I do. <laughs> Oh, but he's scared. He, well, he
1: he had a little bit of a hot hot streak last year
0: to begin with. Last year. Dude, last year he was back like he at the beginning of the year had his velocity back. Like he was pumping 96 and he had everybody obsessed because when he was pumping 96, he was nasty. He has a nasty slider as well. Um he made his first start this year and he was averaging 94.4 miles an hour on the fastball. Last year it was 95.7. The fastball, though, still performed well against Miami Marlins team in his first start with a 50% whiff rate. He also had a 32% whiff rate on the slider in the first start, which he threw 41% of the time. And that right there is why I'm excited, Clay. If he's throwing his slider a lot more, ooh, baby, I like that a lot because that slider is good. And he's going against the Marlins again on Friday, Friday night. So, is it Friday night? Oh, no. It's at 1 Eastern. Okay, well, if you're listening to this one in the morning, you're going to have to jump on this one, but I like it. Facing the Marlins again, they can't hit. So, yeah, this is another. Hey,
1: error. team! anybody that's listening right once it drops that early deserves to get the the little bit of a nugget you, you just gave us there.
0: Yeah, I like it. It gives you one for Friday and then one for Saturday. There you go. Clay? Colby. We're moving on to bullpens. You want to talk a little bullpen? That's
1: exactly what I was going to ask you. That's all you, man. You run with that.
0: I'll let you run with the bullpens.
1: All right. I'll 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 give the quick synopsis. We all want to know about saves. If you did not draft closers that are established, you are probably every day trying to get on and pick up anybody. AJ Minter for the Braves right now has picked up one. And he's the closer until Iglesias comes back. That's going to be soon. I wouldn't worry too much about that one. We have a lot of questions out elsewhere Seattle Munoz is he going to be the closer Paul Seawall Diego Castillo like who's it going to be or is that just a strict committee I don't know I really don't know we we voiced our opinion on the preseason that we like Munoz but time will tell it may just be kind of a rotation of dropping and picking up honestly that may have the highest upside of picking up and holding in terms of M- Munoz but it also is just you could get totally Screwed there. So, um, the twins Duran and Lopez each have one save. Man, I really hope that Lopez moves out of any save opportunities. Just, I, I, I just don't love that. And, and then Miami, and I want your opinions on Miami AJ Puck, Tanner Scott, did Dylan Flora like what's going to happen there?
0: I think it's Puck's job to lose. Um, and, he's pitched solid I mean like small sample size <laughs> it's small sample size. like I'm not gonna talk about reliever ERA. right these guys have thrown two innings yeah um he does have one save I mean the problem with it, with puck is always going to be those walks they're going to come back to bite him like they do many relievers right um but he has strikeout stuff so this one's a little bit of a wait and see for me like but I think it's Puck's job to lose. So if I'm going to pick one, up anybody on the Marlins for save opportunities, it's going to be Puck.
1: And the one thing to note, the other two, Floro and Scott, were on the team last year, and they went out and acquired A.J. Puck. So I don't know if that says anything about what they thought about those guys or if it tips their hand a little bit or what, but just keep that in mind that they they added. And Tanner Scott was the closer for a, a large chunk of last year, and it was Okay for stretches and blew up a few times. So just keep all that in mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, Puck's given up one run in each of his outings so far, but I don't know. I don't know how deep I'm looking into that, really. But um, the strikeouts are there. I think the Marlins want him to be their hater. And he really could be. He has the stuff for it. 27 years old, he's 6'7", lefty, and he comes out of that way out here arm slot. So, yeah, I, I think Puck's the man there. Just to go back to the twins for a second, Clay. Um, I think it's again, I think it's Duran's job, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if Lopez picks up saves throughout the year when they're just trying to get, you know, Duran a night off or um just trying not to use him and conserve him. So um, and I wouldn't be surprised if sometimes they use Duran in like the eighth inning, if yep. the matchups are the matchups. Um, but he's gonna pick up plenty of saves to be worth it, especially with how good he is. And I think that's the same play some out with Munoz who already has a save, but like, is he going to pick up 35 saves? No, but is he going to provide elite splits with like 23, 24 saves? I think so.
1: Yeah. And in a points league or anything, any league, he'll provide strikeouts, which carries value, even if he's not getting the saves. Now, is there any other situation you want to talk about for closer? I want to bring up the situation in Arizona
0: because I'm so fired up about my guy, Kevin Ginkle. Um, Dinkle. Kevin Ginkle is not off to the hottest start to the season here. He had one blow up outing where he, uh, he gave up a three run home run, which, you know, it happened. They're relievers, right? It was the Dodgers. He's been, um, he's had two other appearances though. And, um his latest appearance he had one strikeout didn't allow a base runner so i don't know scott McGo blew a save gave up back-to-back home runs to blow a save and then you have andrew chafin like i don't know if andrew chafin's really the guy at this stage in his career to be the closer so i am still we're still on ginkle watch
1: here's what i have to say about that anyone listening to the show thought you were making up names until you said the last one That's how ridiculous the situation is here. And I get Mark Melanson's technically on on payroll and like, you know, maybe they thought he was going to provide value. He wasn't providing any value last year. But this is a team that's headed in the right direction and they don't have a legitimate closer. And I'm not even asking for like top line. I'm asking for anyone who's kind of done it in the past. Mark Melanson doesn't count. You need to get somebody else if you want to be taken seriously. Now I know it's, you know, not going all in this year, but come on. I couldn't name half of those guys that, I mean, who are these guys? <laughs> I'm fired up. Scott McGough doesn't get you fired. I mean, he gets you fired up, right? It li- It literally sounds like a made up name that I would make on MLB the show. All right, Clay last question
0: for you before we enjoy our weekends here who is one guy this weekend that's going to pick up a save that is available
1: oh oh gosh that's a tough one um I mean you got to go with somebody who's just if you need a save absolutely need one I would honestly consider instead of picking up like a Danny Jimenez from Oakland, who's like the closer and just pray that the the A's win a game, instead of doing that, I would look and see have any closures pitch pitch back to back days or heavy workloads. And like today I picked up Adam Simber for Toronto and he got a save today, but he's not the closer, right? So if you're looking for opportunities where you could get a cheap save from somebody on a good team, because in order to get a save, you have to get the win, right? The team has to win. So if you're picking bad teams with mediocre closers, it's less likely than if you're picking a good team with somebody who could get an opportunity. Another little tidbit. If I you got mine, were, if you want to hear what, mine. Oh, next. yeah, sorry. I, I didn't realize you had one. Go no, ahead. I
0: have one here. Um, tried and true, 39-year-old Jesse Chavez. Oh, it, it's a, it's a big shot in the dark, right? AJ Minter is the closer there right now while Ryzel Iglesias is on the shelf, but Jesse Chavez picked up a one-out save the other night. And he's looked really good this year. He looked really good last year. Like he, Jesse Chavez has been getting it done forever. This guy has been pitching forever. So yeah, I say, why not? That's a, that's one of, you know, you really need something.
1: Another pro tip, and you can apply this all year long. Um, if if you have an open roster spot you don't know what to do with, pick up somebody who hasn't pitched in the past two days out of Cleveland's bullpen. For that day, drop them, do the same thing tomorrow. You can get... I mean, there's a lot of good arms in that Cleveland bullpen. I think that that strategy is actually pretty decent. Like, if, if you're just picking up whoever didn't pitch that night or the night before... And kind of watching that and just monitoring it and picking up these guys who are owned in 0.5% of leagues and just the the middle re- relief guys and getting three outs, a couple strikeouts, I mean, I, I like that move. Clay,
0: we're going to end the show. Alec Bohm has a 186 WRC+. plus. He has a 62% hard hit rate. He's been smoking the ball. He hasn't been striking out. The power is back. He's walking more.
1: And he played first base.
0: You know, I I just, I'm not taking my victory lap a weekend of the season, but I'm all I'm saying is
1: I told you so a little bit here. I have shares. You, I liked him. You talked me into him. So thank you. He did play first base when Hall went out with a, I believe it was a hand injury or something. He moved over. So that's something to monitor anytime you can add positions to your players in season. That's a huge plus. Yeah. But adding first more
0: first baseman on my teams is just not what I need. I have so many first basemen. but
1: <laughs> Vinny P, your third man. Your guy. I
0: mean, is a beast. Boom is a beast. So we're just going to continue to monitor boom watch. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That was just like our little, you know, midweek. Let's get you to win the weekend episode. Um, We're going to come to you next time with waiver wire ads for next week. We're going to come to you guys with maybe some, you know, trends. We're seeing some fun facts some fun stats next episode. Uh, Switch it up a little bit. So, yeah, stay tuned. Um, We'll be back with you with some waiver wire ads this weekend. So look out for that. But hope you enjoyed the episode. Clay, you got anything to plug?
1: Nothing at all.
0: Go Phillies. Go Alec Boehm. Go Reds. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. All right. Adios, everybody.